Welcome back to uh, Origin Stories podcast, uh, hosted by me, Mitch Fry. So excited today when I when I started thinking of doing a podcast. Um, the main reason behind it is the man that I'm interviewing today. So it's my dad. I uh, I wanted him to uh, to be able to tell his story and give his advice. This podcast we talk about life, business, and real estate. And my dad, um, Kent Fry, he, in my opinion, encompasses and has done a lot throughout his life where he'll give today, give incredible advice on all those. So, Dad, excited to have you. I'm glad to be here, son. Yeah, this is round two. Our first round, we had we had some audio issues, so excited to, to run it back and um, hear some cool stories and get some good advice. So, Dad, let's talk about right now um, where you're at in life. What you what you're up to, and I, I think the past year, I bet you've done more than most people accomplish in their entire life when talking traveling and doing doing what they love. I I am actually in a great process of completing all of my bucket list items, and uh, let's see. Last uh, I started off last fall, took took my son Blair to Kyrgyzstan. Went Marco Polo sheep hunting and ibex hunting. Where's that at? And uh, that's right next to the China border. We were hunting between twelve and fourteen thousand feet elevation, and it was probably the biggest, greatest adventure I've ever been on. It um, was a real adventure, and there's a lot of stories that go to that. Hunt. <laughs> and uh, the pictures were incredible. We're, we're Snow, and you're up. 14,000 square feet. What else have you done last year? Talking bucket then, list items. Well, real real quick from that, I rolled into, went into Wisconsin, whitetail hunting, and killed a monster whitetail in Wisconsin. That was that was December. January, I went mule deer hunting and killed a great mule deer down in uh, Mexico. Yep. February, you went with me, and we went peacock bass fishing in Brazil on the Amazon. Incredible trip. Then I had to slow down in March and April and go turkey hunting here locally. <laughs> and then uh, 1st of May, I went fishing out to Lake Powell, which I do every year for a week. And from that, I took mom on a cruise to uh, Boston for a week. And then I, in July, that was June, July was a New Zealand hunt. And uh, I think I shot and killed everything you can possibly shoot in New Zealand. <laughs> But got some great animals, had probably the most exhilarating hunt I've ever been on. It's awesome. And that was basically a tour hunt and chamois hunt out of a helicopter. And you literally would, the helicopter would land on almost ledges with one rail hanging in the air. And you would climb out and duck down while the helicopter took off. And you're sitting there trying not to slide downhill, trying to focus on shooting an animal. <laughs> That's insane. And it, it was it was an, a very exhilarating, about a two-hour hunt that wow. was incredible. And then uh, from there, I came back and and then took Mom on a vacation to Alaska, another cruise. And that was a great trip. We've been we've been on to Alaska before on a cruise, but this was a great cruise. And then I drew a Utah buffalo hunt, archery buffalo. This was cool. And uh, in the Book Cliffs, 
And I had no idea in the book cliffs you were basically hunting miniature Grand Canyon type area, and it took about a five-hour mule ride down to the bottom of the canyon, rough, rough terrain, getting rough, there through rough terrain and with by horse and by mule. And uh, actually, the second day of the hunt, I got a great opportunity, and probably one of the first times archery hunting, everything went just perfect, and uh, shot me a great buffalo. And so we rolled from it. Right now we're hunting uh, mule deer with the black powder. That's, and, and, yeah. And the Ibex hunt got me so excited. Uh, in Kyrgyzstan, I've actually booked a Grand Slam where you shoot four of them. Ibex hunt in Spain at the end of November. Coming up. Coming up. And So if you didn't just learn that my dad loves to hunt and fish... You weren't you weren't paying attention too much. So why do you love to hunt and fish so much, Dad? It just it's something I grew up with. But there's a real environment to getting out in the hills and uh, tranquility. Uh, I love hunting with people. I love hunting by myself. Uh, two different type of experiences. But uh, there's nothing like nature. And what I have found on these exotic hunts in other countries is you really see people in other countries in a way most tourists would never see them. In other words, you're going back kind of in the country style where uh, most people will never get back in there. Yeah. See people like See that. like the real culture of the of real the culture area. and the farmers and the ranchers yeah. in, in every country. Yeah. In the awesome. back in the backwoods, rednecks maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so talking what's what's enabled you to do this, um, you did real estate. I sold sold real estate and was fortunate enough I actually got into a little developing and and that's probably one of the developing and investing is what made the big difference in my life. I tell people, um, obviously being there close up and watching you do it, that you love the game. I love the game. I still love the game. So let's expand on that. Why do you love the game of real estate? There's an excitement that comes over two or three things, and, and I'm sure we'll touch on this. But first of all, recognizing an opportunity and then having enough faith and belief in what you recognize that you know that you see something that no one else sees at the time and you can turn that into some big money. So let's give an example of something you've been able to pull off or something that you've done because I love that and it's incredible advice in in real estate where i mean i think of uh, the house that you did right next to our old house on vineyard right that you and ryan anderson that's an that's an example of where you saw enough land saw enough land to break off a building lot and uh, capitalize on basically making a profit of what a building lot was worth immediately and yeah selling the house uh Separate. Separate for what you bought the whole parcel for. Yeah. What other examples have you had or tips would you well, give people to look, look I, for? I can give two examples. One of them gets more lengthy and one of them's history and one of them's in the near recent uh, past. That when people say there's not opportunity out there, there's always opportunity. Love that. And, uh, and there's probably more opportunity today in Washington County than there's ever been. And it comes in spurts, but it's there. But I'll tell you probably a story that I'll tell you is that uh, I have a really good friend by the name of Doug Westbrook. 
And he came to me one day and he says, you know, we've got, I've been talking to this owner of this land up in Ivan's and I believe it was 70 acres. He said, I think he said that he wants us to do well with it and he'll sell it to us for 5,500 an acre. And, uh, with almost nothing down. Uh, long story short, we dallied around too long, and Ant's brothers, Ant's Construction, yeah, actually hit him up and bought some next, some not this parcel, but next from him. And all of a sudden, in a matter of two months, the price went fifty five hundred to seventy five hundred. And uh, I told my good friend Doug, I said, "Let's just lock it up and go for it. I know we can make money." Anyway, what we had to do is we had to come up with $10,000 each. <laughs> it was all we could do. Believe it or not, it's all we could do. This was in the 80s. And, and I love, I'll, I'll stop right there, but I love what you said where I think where people struggle with real estate is they don't go for it, right? This, and I'll tell, include this in my story. Yeah. That's right. You have to go for it and have belief in yourself that you can do it. It's awesome. And in this case, uh, probably not real appropriate to say, but I'll say it. Uh, I turned around to Doug and I said, Doug, you know what? Our nuts are hanging down and almost touching the sidewalk. <laughs> and it would only take one little swish of the blade and we're not going to have any. <laughs> And I say that concerning it was risky. Yeah. I mean, we everything we could pull together was $10,000 each. And we gave that down, and we had a 90-day closing. And uh, even then, that was our down payment, too. The guy was fabulous with us. I mean, this was a $900,000 deal. That'd be like, a, I would say, a 4 or $5 million deal in today's dollars. He's being super flexible and working with you. And he just says, give me a down payment. You can make annual payments. Nice. And I said, Doug, this is when I told him about the sidewalk story. And yeah. And I says, well, you know we can't make the payment. <laughs> Neither one of us can. So we've got to sell this land before our payment comes due. Because when you buy land, it's not like an apartment complex, no, no right? In, no so income, no coming, income in, coming in. No income coming in. So anyway... We split it up into three parcels, and believe it or not, it didn't take us a year. Within 90 days, we had three different buyers, and I, I can't remember the figures exactly, but I think we got right around 15000 an acre. And it's basically and doubled your money. For a $20,000 investment in 90 days, we turned it into 450000 And we didn't want to pay taxes on that. And if anybody's been around uh, tax-deferred exchanges, you're supposed to be a year. But we got our accountant to say, you know, that's not, it's kind of not a rule. It's a rule, but not a law. We can stretch it. So we found this piece of property out here where the airport is today. And it will cost exactly $450,000. How many acres? It's 160 acres. And that's what we bought. So right, we ended up owning for $20,000, we ended up with 160 acres out by the airport. Now, this is where things slowed up a little bit, but all of a sudden we had no debt obligation. And, uh, and then over a few years, there was noise about the airport being done. And we probably sold it a year too faster than we should. 
bottom line is we sold it for 40,000 an acre. And you can 40,000 times 160 acres. And we we both made like 3.2 million. 3.2 million from 10 off, grand. From 10 grand. Yep. And uh, so that possibility is out there. That's incredible. And, and in this case, it was, we was probably about an 18 year wait yeah. on that. But uh, good things take time. Sometimes Especially it's with land. Time. Sometimes it's land. Now to uh, roll in that, that goat takes us back 30 years ago now. But uh, to roll it in, I my son called me up, Blake. Yeah, this one's good. And uh, said, Dad, there's 25 acres over here by, uh, what's what's the name of the golf course over there in Hurricane? It by, is it's, it's uh, the Copper. Copper Rock. Copper Rock. Yeah, Copper Rock Golf Course. He says, you know, it's kind of interesting, Dad, that this acreage, they, they want 35000 an acre. And I said, son, does it have sewer? And he said, well, believe it or not, they're putting in the sewer. And this other development's putting in the water. And I think they're going to pave the road. Well, this piece of land had been for sale for two years. On the MLS. That's On what, the yeah. MLS. Everyone had access to it. And I said, son, buy it. He said, Dad, let's go look at it. You want to go look at it? I says, hell no. Just buy it. <laughs> oh, Dad, don't you want to look at it? And I said, son, I can look at it after it's tied up. I don't even want to waste my time. And a good share of what I've bought in life, I buy sight unseen. I buy it on the facts. And then I do my due diligence during your continuous period. Yeah, it's another great lesson for listeners. So don't sit there and get emotional about something. But anyway... Uh, Things have gone a little slower over than there than we anticipated, but 30 days after we bought it, we bought it for 33,000 an acre, and we ended up getting 125 acres. It wasn't, found out that, no, 105 acres. Found out that in addition to the 25 acres, there's also an additional 80 acres. 80 acres, yeah. And right after we bought it for 33,000 an acre, we basically all of a sudden had people come and say, oh, I was looking at that. I was going to buy it. And all of a sudden, another development, uh, the one down there where they can wakeboard. Yeah, Southern Shores. Southern Shores is taken off, and you got to drive by our property to get Southern Shores. And all of a sudden, people are saying, hey, we'll just give you 50,000 an acre if you walk. That's big profit. Yeah. But right now, here we are a little over two years into that property, and, and I believe you're probably somewhere, depending on, and our economy, of course, has slowed up and gone down, but you're probably worth at least 100000 an acre. And if things turn around a little bit, you'll be back up to 150000 an acre. So that's a three so. to five extra turn. And I was fortunate enough to uh, be on the, the lucky end of a phone call from my dad and saying, hey, we're pulling money together. Do you have any money and do you want to get on get in on this? And I'm a, a smaller percentage owner in that piece of property, but yeah, that's a three to five extra turn. It's unbelievable. And that that's just a recent one, but the yeah. opportunity is out there. Just gotta look and you gotta be rec- the right rec- people. recognize it and, and be willing to act. Yeah. That's a lot of it right there. So why real estate? Let's let's answer that question. Because well, I know a lot of people say they want to get into real estate or this or that, but why for you and and the crazy thing, and we'll we'll get into how you were raised, Dad. But your dad, my grandpa, didn't. You didn't do real estate. 
So how did that spark for you and, and why? Well, I tell people you can always tell a good investment, ask Grandpa Fry. That would be my dad. And when he tells you, for hell's sakes, why would you want to buy that? Go buy it. Because <laughs> he's such an old-time conservative farmer. And this is a guy that ended up worth millions because he bought land for his cattle to graze on. And that's where he's seen the potential is some grass for his cattle to graze on. And uh, other than that, that's how he got wealthy. You don't buy real estate yeah. for investment. You buy it for a purpose. And uh, but to come back to your question, real estate is the one product, and these are rentals that you can leverage into literally with three to twenty percent down, three percent to twenty percent down, and someone else can pay for it with their rents that they're paying you. And you can literally end up owning the property in 15 years in most cases. And so what you do is uh, on a 15-year loan, you're looking at probably five times in your original investment. And that's if you have no other inflation and stuff like that. Yeah. Plus the depreciation, plus the write-offs. There can be frustration with renters, but at the same time, it's real estate... And I'm not talking land. That's really rentals or it's a conservative, easy way to multiply your money and to uh, grow assets. Number one way for asset growth for somebody. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the story where it really clicked for me. We were out at Lake Powell and uh, we were fishing and you looked at me and you said, son, he said, you said, you know, you're doing it right when your legs are up and you're fishing. And you're still making money. It's it's nice to make money when you're not <laughs> when you're working. not working, right? Absolutely. And you and you went on to talk about real estate and passive income and and thinking of how you're crossing off your bucket list items. You have a ton of rental properties that are paid off, right? Where the the renters paid down the principal and that loan amount. Where a lot of your properties now you don't owe anything, so you're just collecting the rents. I've got a real problem. <laughs> I've got to figure out where to invest money. Yeah. Because I've got more money than I can spend coming in. Yeah, from the now, rents. The key the key is to keep my wife from knowing that. Yeah. <laughs> that is that's the trick. Oh, that's funny. So what looking back, let's let's think or let's go back more to to growing up. One thing I admire about you, Dad, is your work ethic and and uh what you've taught me. How how did that come about? Or I mean, I yeah. To me, you're one of the hardest workers I've I know. How do you develop a work ethic like that? Well, anytime anybody grows up on a farm slash ranch, you learn that you work hard. You work hard, and what few times you play, you get to play hard. But uh, basically, you're working at daylight from spring through fall, and you quit when it's dark, and uh, and you. So grandma and grandpa, I, I, this started at a young age. They they started us. We actually started in tomato patches at age seven and eight, learning how to hold weeds and recognize the difference between weeds and tomatoes. And I'll guarantee you, you never did that without hoeing out some tomatoes. And in farming and ranching, you're never corrected on a soft soft voice. Whenever you <laughs> screw up. <laughs> you get reamed. You get reamed, <laughs> and you find out you better not ever do that mistake again. And so that's just a way of life. Yeah. And you probably can say I uh, did the same thing with you. Yeah. 
And I loved uh, what grandpa taught you, the business side of things from an early age with the farm. The economics, uh, basically what we did, and I had to remind my mother of this some time ago. She was, she was, uh, she was talking about a nephew would be a first cousin of mine saying, you know, that kid's going through law school and he's working hard and he's put himself through school and his, and her brother, my uncle, hasn't helped him at all. I turned to my mother and I said, well, mother, where, when did you help us? She looked at me and said, didn't we give you money? And I said, no. <laughs> As a matter of fact, going into ninth grade, we made money, learned to budget, and we paid for our own clothes books, schooling, everything, going into ninth grade, that's what, 14 years of old, you, wow. we paid for everything. And so that's what I did from ninth grade through uh, all the college Just and everything. from working on the farm. Working on the farm and later a uh, couple of other jobs. Yeah. So you uh, graduate high school, you meet mom at college. After my mission. Yeah. And I was just starting into real estate. And uh, mom moved up, and we got lined up on a blind date. And, and uh, what did you do for your first date? Went out to dinner with Uncle Jerry and Aunt Dee and and her mom and dad. Oh, nice. They they kind of lined us up, and and then it took about nine months before I asked her to get marry me. But uh, she's about ready to give up on me. <laughs> but you always want to make sure on a good thing. <laughs> yep. So now you're father of uh myself and i got we got three brothers so four of us total four boys four boys who's uh who's the most athletic out of the boys well we better not get into those politics <laughs> but we'll we'll say you're the only one that played college ball Yep, i'm the fastest can jump the highest mo- definitely the most athletic so just had to put that out there but no it's it's fun and well, I need to remind Mitch. He thinks he's the best at everything, but there seems to be a different champ when it comes to ping pong and a different champ on some other golf and a different champ on tennis. Yeah. So he, does, he doesn't control all sports. No, I don't. I definitely don't. So that's, that's a fact. So you get into sales. I want to touch on and, and really dive into uh, your advice about sales. And once again, this is one thing that you taught me. You said – and it always stood out. You said, son, if you really want to get ahead and you want to have a chance to play the game of real estate, you got to make money, right? That's what you told me. You got to make money. So either you need to go get into sales or specialize and go be a, a doctor of some sort where you can go make really good money. It helps when you have a little excess money, and that's what compounds itself. The hardest thing to buy is your first property, period. Yeah. Second property, still tough. Time you get down to seventh and eighth and ninth property, and you know this because you've done it, it gets easier and easier. Yes. And your net worth gets bigger and bigger, and cash flow gets better and better. Yep. So, but sales, sales, and uh, yeah, you've got to figure out a way to make some extra money, or or it gets tough. Gets tough to buy real estate, plain and, and simple. So someone, someone who's working an hourly wage job, I'm curious on your, your advice that's not making a whole lot of money, but they want to get into real estate, what would you tell them? Uh, same thing. They've just got to have a little bit of savings. It can be done. It's a little tougher. And almost always, and you've heard me say this with uh, your group of people a couple of times, is that you can get into a townhome or condo 
FHA loans with about three and a half percent down. And we're right now we're a little bit out of whack in what I'm saying with the interest rates as high as they are. But the worst thing to do is after you buy your first little townhome or condo is you turn it into a rental and you save up that three and a half percent again and you buy a second one. Yeah. And then a third one, even if it takes you five or 10 years, you, there is, you can buy rental properties and, and, and uh, not because you make a lot of money because you, you're smart yep. in the way you do it. The other way to save money, there's a couple of ways to save money, and you did very well with this, is I've said you never buy something and make payments except for your home. Yep. And so instead of going out and buying a $30,000 car, if you can only afford a $1,000 car to pay cash, that's what you drive. You drive a thousand dollar car. And yeah, I uh, think I think the problem with people nowadays is if they they start making more money, what happens to their lifestyle? They increase their lifestyle. They increase their lifestyle, so it essentially cancels itself out and doesn't give them a chance to. And it, it's to jump not into it's the game. not even people on the average income or below average income. There are doctors and other people that if they have to scrape together. I'm going to say $100,000, they can't do it because of their income. All they do is buy more expensive bolts, more expensive houses, more yep. expensive cars to where even if they make four or $500,000 or more a year, they know what's coming in, so they budget and they spend it. Accordingly, yeah. So they, so, so they never invest. Good piece of advice. It's not how much you, you make, it's how much you keep in a way. How much you keep. And how much you invest. Do you have a, do you have a rule of... Of any sort, I guess, of something you've lived by in as you increased your earnings because you got really good at real estate and developing. Well, there, there's a simple formula I tell people, and and uh, I, I they said, when can you tell a good investment? And you've heard me say this, and I says, well, on a rental, uh, anytime you can put three and a half to twenty percent down, and it pays for itself on a fifteen year mortgage, it's buy, buy, buy. So if you assess the deal and hypothetically put on a 15, whether you put end up putting it on a 15-year mortgage or not, but if you assess it on a 15-year mortgage and you see what your costs are out the door with your mortgage, insurance, tax, and then if the rent that's coming in pays for that plus some, buy. Buy. Yep. Don't talk yourself out of it, which the majority of people figure out a way to talk themselves out of it. Yeah, because if you did that on a 15 and, and then – if you were to put on a 30-year, you'd really be cash flowing. Yes. Right? That's right. Like you'd be – there'd be big, big um, cash flow there. No, that's good. What um, – in talking sales, I always we always chuckle about this. We actually got into this at the dinner table because um, Boots came out and had an incredible summer doing pest control sales door-to-door. He generated over 500000 in revenue, gets paid 70% of that, made amazing money in four months. And we start talking, and of course Blake and Blair and yourself start talking about cells and how oh if Boots can do that, I could go do, <laughs> I could go do five. So we're just having good banter talk. Um, what makes a good salesman, and why? Like if you were to come do door to door pest control, Dad, you're pretty confident. You think you could do it? Absolutely. I'll bet I could outsell Boots. <laughs> <laughs> why, why? Why do you say that? A good salesman, it takes two or three things. First of all, you got to believe in your product. Yep. Okay. 
And the second thing is, and I did this in selling real estate, there's several times I'd look at my client and say, and I never say this unless I do it. And I'd say, this is a good enough deal that if you don't buy it, I hope you have no feelings if I buy it. I love and, it. <laughs> and, and most of the time they would buy it. In the couple of times they didn't buy it, guess what I did? I bought it, and within a few months or a year, they says, I knew we should have bought that. <laughs> the other the other clothes or the other thing that you you told me that you uh you said to some uh some clients, you said, How about this then? You buy it, and if you lose money on this deal, this investment, I'll take the loss. But the money you gain, we split. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a good makes, makes them feel really good. And, yeah. I, and you say it because you have confidence with what you've set them up with that they will do good. Yeah, that they're going to succeed because you wouldn't say that and, and want to no, take the loss lot, either way. I, I know when I say that and every client that ever bought, when they did that, they come back thanking me all the time. Yeah, it's not like you ever did it. It's just more the, the principle behind. The principle behind the confidence you can give them. In the deal. Because and mo- your lot, confidence in the deal. A lot, lot of people have a hard time, even though they know they should do it, they have a hard time committing. Yeah, because it's scary. I, I think scary. It's scary. If you've never done it, watching that amount of money leave your bank account is scary. As a matter of fact, I'll I'll tell another little story real fast about two of my best friends, and I'm not going to name names or their professions, but you yeah. know them very well. Yep. And they they both have great jobs, and that's well, I will say, no, I won't. One's a school teacher and one's a pharmacist. Yeah. And years ago, I told them I I could I knew the townhomes. As a matter of fact, it's on the west side of town here, and uh, little two-story townhomes, and they were selling right at forty thousand dollars, and I knew they were going to jump to fifty thousand. I just knew it. Now this is me thinking the market's going to jump a little, and I turned to him and I says, "You guys, uh, if you'll put two thousand down, we'll get you a loan." And, yeah. Uh, I'll turn your two thousand. Within six months, a year at the outside, I'll turn your two thousand into ten thousand, and uh, so you'll walk with an eight thousand dollar profit. Big return. And the one turned to me and says, "Do you know how much I worry about my own house payment? If I had to make a payment that someone else lived in, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night." Yeah. And neither one of them did it. Now the end of that story is thirty years later, we go fishing together a lot. And 30 years later, we're out at the reservoir and we're sitting there talking a little bit about retirement and money. And one of them says, you know what? We sure should have invested like Kent did. We'd be a a lot better off. And I says, remember, I tried to get you to do that. I know. And we didn't listen. (laughs) Yeah. No, with real estate, it's funny because the ones that you always regret the ones that you didn't buy, right? Majority of the time. Well, most of the time when you didn't buy, you wished you did. You wish you did. Like that's, I had a buddy, uh, my buddy Matt, he just missed out on a house he really wanted. And it, I, I just taught him, like, dude, if you really wanted it, you got to make the offer to get it. Like, Absolutely. Like, don't lose out on a deal over 10 grand. Another, another story on the same thing is when we went into the recession, your brother Blake was, he had bought a duplex. And duplexes, everyone laughed now, but this was in 2008, 2009, 2010. The duplex was selling for a, 
he had bought one and he's looking at another one and it was selling for 185,000. Yeah. He says, what do you think, dad? And I says, bye, bye, bye. He's oh, but it's got a couple little problems. They said, son, the replacement value on that duplex, you couldn't build it for less than 250,000. That's nothing but an upside. But dad, it's not worth 180,000. I said, just pay the extra 5,000, get it, and you'll be glad you did. Yeah. Now guess what I hear him moan and groan about all for all these years later. Man, I should have bought that duplex and another two or three of them. It would have been worth a lot. And I says, I know, I told you. Yeah. And then, of course, the other one is we own a duplex that he could have bought. <laughs> yeah. We, and he yeah, moans he, and groans about that one. That one was for 230000 He passed up because there was leaks and some random things yeah. that, that scared him off. And, and me and you ended up buying, which that was a subject to loan that you set up. with. Yeah. You, you knew the owner. Did a subject too, which was a cool learning experience for me, and uh, we have that paid off, and it's making fifteen hundred aside, give or take, and it's worth six hundred thousand, probably a minimum of six hundred thousand. Yeah, so yeah. that's another example. All right, um, I, I want you to give advice on. You made this money, which I love the story, the airport story, and. And yeah, you've taught me a lot through the experience that you had. But let's dive into that. With 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 the money you made and well, some investments you did after. Yeah, I I made a big mistake. I went away from what I knew and I went away from security as far as real estate. And uh, I basically got in that stage in life and I think you've had a little taste of this is all of a sudden life is so good you think you can do no wrong. And I invested in an oil drilling company with a partner that I didn't know. And anyway, two to three years later, a couple of years later, that cost me $3.2 million. So it basically cost me what I made on the 160 acres, my half there. What's your advice? And, and that, was, that? that was cash money. Yeah, gone. And then, then I lost a, another chunk just about like that, doing hard money loans. And... Uh, the advice there is if you're going to loan money and get involved, first of all, I'm going to tell you that it's the only bad partner I ever had. Know who your partner is and have faith in them and have them have as much risk as you do. Being a good advice. Especially if you're the money person. Yeah. And the second thing is that uh, in real estate, hard money loans, if you're in first position, you might get hurt as far as value, but you still control the real estate. First position means you get the... You're, you're like the bank, yep. and you've got the first mortgage. If When you go to second position, and all of a sudden something that has gone down to 30% on value, and you, I never dreamed that things would fall that low, and all of a sudden you're in second position, and you've got to buy out the first position to protect yourself, and the value's not there, you end up losing everything. Yep. And uh, so I've learned, and I, I do loans now I, uh, because that's real estate related, but uh, I'm always in first position. And what about the oil advice with the oil? Stay with what you know. Bingo. Stay with what you know and you control. And what you've done well and what's got you there, right? That, that is correct. Like That's the thing that I took away from it because, yeah, I've tried a couple things and None of them tend to work out like real estate does. No, nope, I didn't do it at your. It. I didn't do it at your level, luckily. But um, it was a good. Uh, it was a good learning experience. 
you're a big reader. I, I would love to touch on that, Dad, because, um, yeah, it's it's almost you learn when, when with self-help books and a lot of things that I've learned over the years that successful people read. A lot of them read a lot. So you read I, a lot. I read a lot, but most of what I read are novels and books for entertainment. But yeah. I, I do always like a good book, and, and you'll know exactly what I mean. When, as you went on your mission, and each one of you boys, what book did I give you and have you read? The Greatest Salesman in the World. I think it's one of the best books ever written. Yep. And it's a book for all generations, for all time. And uh, and I would recommend that book for anybody. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And basically the book is, is uh, anyway, just a fantastic book. And it talks about the giving of yourself and what and portion of what you make back. And if you do that and have that kind of attitude, you'll always be successful. Yeah, incredible. So, um, any other stories or advice you'd like to give? Well, any, anything I, that you think of that the listeners, um, I guess, yeah, real estate sales that that you've learned throughout your life. Well, I've done. You know, I can tell stories from the one. I I actually had uh, three acres down here as you go through the cut going to Bloomington. And a church owned them, three acres, and it was owned R3. And I can tell several stories like this. Yeah. But, but another agent came to me, and we was talking about working with other agents. And I've always let a handful of agents know that I'll, they can have the commission if I can have the deal. But another agent came to me and uh, said, Kent, are you interested in this R3 property? And I said, Absolutely. And they said, well, about 290, $295,000. I said, okay, you got it. Write it up. And they come back. Well, the church signed, the church that owned it changed their mind. I said, well, that, that's their right. Yeah. About a year later, they came back to me and said, can't you still interested in that property? I said, absolutely. And, of course, that agent's looking for a commission. And also, she belonged to the church, and so it helps the church out. And they says, "Well, they think they want three hundred and twenty-five thousand. Well, that kind of hurts my feelings, but okay. So anyway, I wrote it up, or they wrote it up as the agent, and uh, they get the commission. And and uh, I'm sitting there, okay. Now this is going to it's kind of a difficult piece of property, but there's not too many R three properties in St. George. So yeah. I think we'll make it work try to make a little townhome project on it. And lo and behold, I think if I remember right, I had a 30-day closing. Or maybe it was a 60-day. And another agent in our office came to us and said, Ken, I understand you bought this property. And I said, yeah. I said, I'm fairly excited about it. And so would you sell it? And I said, well, sure, I'd sell it. <laughs> oh, what do you got to have for it? And I said, didn't think it'd ever happen. So if I can't double my money, not and, gonna do a it. net yeah. six fifty, I'm not interested. Next day, he had a cash out offer for six hundred and fifty thousand no to me, and I'm sitting there. Are you serious? And he's, yeah, fast close. And I don't even know if I'd close the property. Yet. I think I closed it one day and resold it the next day, and that is and, crazy. And, and doubled my money. And reminds me about the Ivan's land that you did with that we did. We doubled that, doubled that pretty quick. That was another one that, uh, once again, I made my biggest mistake on it is I found a piece of property and it had clay impact, but we bought it right and uh, 
make a long story short, I think we bought it for like 700,000, yeah. 750,000 and 20 acres up in Ivan's and there's had some clay problems. And I says, I know that, uh, that it's got a dirt road, but things are happening right there. And, and, uh, my, now my mistake I made, I called Mitch and my other boys up. And this is what I made <laughs> over in hurricane. I said, you guys, this, I'm convinced we can double our money here within a year, maybe a little longer. Um, anyway, time everybody jumps in, I'm schools down to nothing. <laughs> was a good man right and there. So in this case, I'm saying, listen, my goal is to double your money. So what I'm going to do is instead of 750000 I'm putting the price up to a million dollars. So I get uh, at least... I think 25 or 30 percent yeah. pie, and uh, then we'll have 250 thousand in the account. That's everybody's monies that we can develop with if we move in that direction. Well, the bottom line, I think we were was it one year or two years? One year. One year exactly. Uh, once again, another agent came by and brought us an offer, and and we sold it for two million dollars. And with the money we had in the bank, we anyway, everybody walked with doubling their money in one yeah. year. Incredible. Um, what advice would you would you give yourself if you were to to, to give your 20, 23 year old self? What advice? I'm curious, what advice would you give yourself if you were to go back? I don't think there's anything I would change. It's just uh, I treat people as friends. When you talk to them, don't talk as a salesman that cares about the commission. Talk to them like you really mean it. Like be, have have faith in the product that you're selling, and uh, and they'll feel that. And it helps you in your sales. Uh, don't make a sale to somebody, and there's salespeople in every. Don't make a sale in somebody just by pushing them into something they don't need or don't want. Uh, have belief and, and, and like says, and, and, uh, in your product and, uh, you'll do well. Yeah. I think the two things you've always talked about dad and taught me that, that you put at the top of your list is honesty and work ethic. So and I'm, I'm going to add to that. And this comes back to the world's greatest salesman. And, uh, and w- this last weekend we had general conference for our church and, and uh, I don't know if you've seen the Osmond special I did, between, yeah. but uh, you know what? The same thing, God, family, business, job, in that order. And if you do that and take care of it, you're not going to have your priorities wrong. And uh, yeah, that was life. Life will special. life will life will treat you good one way. It not doesn't mean life will always be easy. Yeah, but life will be good to you. I think in wrapping it up, we got to shout out. We got to shout mom out and her role in in your success. And I think finding a partner plays a crucial role in that can make or break. As I've seen over the years with people I've dealt with in business. So what what advice you got there? Well, I've got a wonderful wife. Uh, she's the most giving, caring person that you'll ever meet. She'll do anything for anybody. But what makes it good is she doesn't spend money. And we're every year for the last umpteen years, I ask her, I say, are you ready for a new car? Because I've told her 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 whole life, you know, that's what we save for is that when you retire, you can buy what you want. 
just no, my old 18-year-old Suburban still going good. She's still driving we'll, it. We'll keep doing it. Uh-oh. Now I'll put a little humor in it. She did the spurge, and she'll hate me for this. Uh, you walked in and seen our new fridge and refrigerator. Yep. Or freezer. I didn't know a fridge and freezer could cost $23,000. <laughs> but that's what our new fridge and that's freezer That's what she cost. cares about, and she loves it. She loves it, and, and I, it is wonderful. And it looks great. And I think but. her, I think her trust in you, right? And that's with my wife too in business. Is, well, I'll put a, a big I, role. I'll put another little bit of humor into what me and you've heard my my partner Doug Westbrook say, and this does not always ring true, but everybody will get a laugh out of this. If you have got to talk to your wife about everything, you probably will not buy it because between the two of you, you'll talk yourself out of it. Yeah. And uh, we've had a great relationship is the fact that Robin will tell you half of what I own. She doesn't find out about it unless we have a conversation she, she doesn't even know. with family or somebody else. <laughs> and that's how she finds out what I'm doing. And this goes back to the house, the smoker house you bought, which is a funny story. You bought a house that was uh, thought you could eradicate the, the smell. Went down <laughs> just below the the fruit stand in Santa Clara at the end of the street. And I went down to list this home and I wanted to get back to Santa Clara. And I said, there's no need listing this home. I'll buy it myself and cut a deal right there with the people. And long story short, this is the advice. Don't ever buy a house without taking your wife through it first. If you're going to live in it, if you're going to live in it, because she, now it did had the old cigar smoke from the guy that owned it. Yeah. Couldn't hardly ever get rid of it, but, if I would have took her down and told her that you can do this, this, and this, can we buy this home? It would have been a different attitude. But because I bought it without having her look at it, yep. don't ever do that because <laughs> she'll never like it. Well, Dad, you're incredible. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Appreciate you. Having a lot of fun here with you. Yep, thanks.